Welcome to the Staffing RecOps podcast, where we interview leaders from high-volume staffing and recruitment firms on the operations, strategy and business processes that they've implemented or are implementing. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcoming to the show today, Victoria Doig. Victoria, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, James. Victoria is originally from Perthshire, Scotland, now living in London. Victoria joined Hamlin Williams as Operations Director in July 2022. Hamlin Williams is headquartered out of Cardiff, Wales, here in the UK, but are a global organisation with local offices across North America, Europe, covering financial services, professional services, technology, life science and the manufacturing industries, a mixture of permanent direct hire and temporary labour. This quarter on the podcast, we are focusing on customer and candidate care, automation and messaging. Victoria, what are you working on currently at Hamlin Williams that you can share with our listeners? So one of the biggest focuses that we have going on at the moment is around the sales enablement and the customer and candidate care. So when I came to, when I joined Hamlin Williams um, in July last year, part of my remit was to um, establish a candidate and client ops team. We had two members of the team back then um, in a vastly sort of fast-paced, growing contract desk. You know, the, the business was predominantly perm. So we needed to support our clients. We needed to support our candidates. And more, more so, we needed to support our um, consultants in their journey from the onboarding all the way through to sort of the financial end of getting these candidates and uh, contractors paid. So with this, um, fast forward a few months, we um, established that the team was so capable, I've got a brilliant team, um, and they were so um, more able to take on workload that would support our consultants more efficiently, so effectively supporting the business better. So so you originally far more perm focused, growing contract desk, you said sales enablement, so it wasn't it wasn't a case that you were having to do this to help increase sales. What what was the core issue that, that kicked this project off? Just just that they were very inefficient? Yeah, so with it being such a junior and um, let's say young desk, um, you know, we did have a, a decent contract uh, uh, headcount out there that you know the inefficiencies were holding up the team. So the project as it sort of streams along to today is a completely different project than the one we started. So it basically starts with the inefficiencies, getting the contractor desk running smoothly. So from candidate onboarding, client onboarding, the whole process, the contacts, the who to contact, the, the assisting with the basics of recruitment, you know, how to use the CRM properly to how to, you know, finish that deal to get that confirmation from the client that that person started. So was it a case of creating some sort of best practice? Exactly. So we went through um, all the SOPs. So one by one, you know, start to finish, you know, we amended them, we checked them, gap analysis on everything. So we had sort of four different stages of gap analysis that we did. Um, part of it was around the the candidate and client operational functions. So who does what? So we created a whole um, uh, matrix of responsibilities. What does the consultant do? What does the 
contract ops team do and client ops, which is now the set team, um, and what do finance do? What are their responsibilities across the business? So, um, so, so Hamlin Williams already had the SOPs, the standard operating procedures, but for the perm desk, and it was a case of adapting them for the contract desk? Yes and no, they had some. We had a, I have a great L&D team, and that was part of the process they had started when I joined the business, um, but mainly focused on that perm front for sure. Um, so we had to sort of evaluate what had been done already, add in some more steps, look at the data that was being collected, because that's crucial, especially on your contract side, you know, being able to search the database properly. Um, all these aspects had to be taken into consideration, but also from a regional point of view, you know, what we do in the UK is what different than what we do in Amsterdam. What we do in Amsterdam is different than what we do in the States. You know, we can't ask certain questions in the States that we can ask in the UK. So, you know, we have to keep all this in mind when we're doing our SOPs and when we're rolling them out to the different regions. So we had to take all that into consideration. And then what support in terms of technology automation is there to, to assist in those operating procedures? How, how much is it just a document with a process that a, a recruiter has to follow versus a document showing them what systems they should be doing and where, where's, where does the automation part come into this? So the automation part comes into so evaluating your CRM and that's what we did. Um, again, gap analysis is key here. You go in, what does your CRM do? A lot of companies will take on a CRM and I've been in those companies and I'm guilty of the same thing. You just learn as life goes on. What does it do? What's it capable of? How are you going to make it better? How are you going to embed it? How are you going to teach people about it? How are you going to actually get that buy-in from the consultants? This is going to make things better, but not just for our consultants, for the midfield where my team are. How can we get contracts out the door quicker? How can we be more compliant with our client information? How can we get that out the door quicker? How does it integrate? You know, does it work with this sign product, that sign product? You know, we have to work through those programs to make you know, business decisions, essentially. So that, that was phase one of this project, if you yeah. like. You said it's very different today. So that, that very first phase, uh, the gap analysis, evaluating how you're doing things today, seeing where you can make improvements, making sure that everybody is utilising and getting the full return on investment for, for that recruitment CRM ATS solution. Yeah. So how long was that initial phase? And, and, who, mean, and who was involved other than you mentioned that you've got a small team around L&D and operations in terms of end users, how many recruiters were you involving in this? Um, well, you know, we've we've fluctuated like most businesses have this last sort of six months, but, you know, we started off with 210. So we had a we had a big audience to appease to, if I'm totally honest. But my team naturally grew with the, um, the, the need to do this role. Um, so, you know, since coming into the business, I've now got a um, sales enablement team manager who's also a head of compliance. Um, I've got a very knowledgeable um, sales support team member who's got five or six years now in fast paced worldwide support, which is brilliant. And I've got another manager over in the States doing a similar role who's got extensive knowledge over the past 20 years working in the States in massive big corporates. So fantastic knowledge base there. And then we've got also got someone with more sort of financial background and admin. So every part of the team brings a different element that supports what we're trying to achieve. The, the 200, 210, is that recruitment consultants within the that business? Was sales. That was sales head. We're lower than that now, but that was sales heads at the time, yeah. And 
And did you involve every one of them from the beginning of the project or did you have a, a small committee first before rolling out? Yeah, probably like most businesses, you have your go-tos. You've got those yeah. um, those champions that will get behind the change um, and will drive it internally. Um, you know, embedding change when you're working with a busy sales floor, especially fast paced and they're super passionate people, it, it taking up their time, time is everything, you know, if you give your time. Um, and but trying to embed that with those that are you know the hard billers the ones that are fast paced the ones that are at the forefront of bringing in the revenue you know sometimes getting their attention just takes a little bit more effort but you know having those key people situated i think there's about 10 people we involved plus the directors of each region um it's getting there and and how long did you say that initial phase was from from starting the the gap analysis to getting everybody working in this new way I mean, it's still ongoing, um, but the initial phases were sort of three to four months. Um, you know, we did take a lot of time with the SOPs, um, but that started even right back in August when I, you know, was got my feet under the table and started running. Um, and, and even till now, you know, we still find ourselves, you know, evolving in, in different manners. And it just, it seems to be like an ongoing growth project. Was there a very clearly defined set of objectives at the start or was it more just a case of we, we can be doing this better? A bit of both, to be honest. You know, the, the doing it better bit was clear. Um, you know, my team, especially from their background, was like, we want to do this. We want to get involved in what, you know, can we take this off the consultants, free them up a bit to do their role a bit more effectively. Um, and also because when I came in, everything was a bit discombobulated you know we needed to marry everything so there's a bit of work there so whatever we could do to help take the admin burden off was something that we were absolutely on so strategy wise you know we wanted to increase productivity we wanted to um you know provide the sales team with effective and reliable resources i mean who doesn't um but increase the revenue as well and keep revenue in the house where we can so um you know, it's probably a similar saying to what other people are doing at the moment. It's like we want our teams to work smarter, not harder. And that's the objective here. Um, and that's across the board, not just with the consultants, not just with the set team and not with finance. Life can be much easier than it's been. So let's work on getting there. And what can you share with us in terms of of those deliverables? What what has been achieved? What what kind of increase to um, your contractor book headcount or or total revenue or improved profits etc i mean in that respect you know we've sort of um we've got the management of the house runners which is something we wanted to do so that we we brought that into the team to effectively you know if we have levers in the business that revenue then comes to my team into the stream um, who then manage those contractor base, you know, there's less commissions going out, but those that are still in the business are still getting their commissions, let's say client owners, for example. Um, and then we changed sort of from a commission structure to sort of a one-off bonus structure for my team. So that works. Um, you know, it's helped evaluate, you know, and ensure that we are compliant fully with our client objectives and um, request requirements. So, you know, if they want us to in the US only use W2 candidates, then we can only use W2 candidates. It's making sure that we've got the right processes and steps in place to ensure that we're doing the tick box exercises as, as per contract. So it's, it's streamlined more than changed revenue structure at the moment. 
and you said it looks very different today so what's what's the ongoing focus now where where are you still trying to tweak and what what improvements are yet to come um we are going to look into sort of evaluate when we are we've started another side project which is called project seashell which is a little bit more exciting than the word project set um and uh, it's all around looking at our tools so what are we using what are we over investing in what are we under investing in you know do we want to like change our parsing system do we want to update our crm you know do we want to how do we want to use the crm better do we want to put more investment into some of those big search um ai applications do we want to um you know train spend more money on l d and do courses more thoroughly more regularly you know embed those best practices using that kind of facility so we've got a lot of that work going on on the side um but automation is a key aspect of that from myself and the set team um to the marketing team you know i work very closely with our marketing marketing director she's completely awesome um, but she's so recruitment focused she knows what's right she knows what looks good and um, the tone that she uses with our recruiters is fantastic um, and she properly embeds herself in like ROI, those contracts, what we're using, what we're utilizing, the website, you know, it's what we can do better. So we did a um, brief automation trial with a fantastic new company that's coming out. Um, uh, well, they've rolled out already, but using this tool, we did it in sort of two sets and we worked with the company to sort of go, what do you need? How do you want to use it? So we did a candidate regen project and then we went sort of talked about candidate workflows which is really important just to take that burden in the future off of the consultants you know the onboarding the welcome emails the check-ins the you're going to finish next month you know or do you want to continue etc um, and what we find with the roi when we got our data the way we needed it to get and um, so we've got a um sort of like a business analyst in the in the company and um, daniel he went through all the information we cleaned it up and in the first four weeks in the first trial, we made two placements that came to 50K, which was fantastic. In the second part of the trial, which was slightly longer, we got two jobs. We got about a thousand candidates that were ready and looking for roles or whether they be perm or temp. We had just over 12%, um, uh, I forgot what the word is, um, action on our emails that we were sending which is actually quite good because they targeted 10. Um, so it was a really good insight to actually how effective automation is going to be but not from the sales just the sales side it's like embedding all of our contracts into the system so for instance we put a candidate placement on you put the bill rate the pill the bill pay rate the bill rate all the information auto generates the contract you check it over, you press send, it goes to everyone it needs to be signed, and then it falls right back into the database, into place, and then approves. So, so is this, uh, you, you've implemented two separate systems here, have you? A, a candidate yep. engagement automation solution yep. integrated with your recruitment CRM ATS? Yes, yes, yeah. it's absolutely brilliant, yeah. Um, you know, we've put a pause on the automation while we do some more tweaks, but the essence is it's a brilliant tool. And, and the, the, the tweaking the tweaking is around the messaging or the frequency or both? Um, probably the messaging, um, but nothing major. It's just a moment in time. So, um, you know, the sooner we get back onto that, the better. What what has prompted that pause to reevaluate the messaging? Have you had specific feedback? 
No, not necessarily. I think, you know, people just get a surprise when they maybe have got an email and it's, it's from the company, but maybe not from the consultant that they used to work with. You know, if we've had leavers, they're like, oh, hi, Pierre, I've never talked to you before. That kind of bit. So we're just trying to reword how we, you know, attract candidates that way, you know, without the surprise element. Is it only with the candidate that you've used this automated messaging re-engagement that you're not using that with clients? Not currently, no. We're okay. starting off with the candidates first, for sure. And then you went on to start talking about contracts. Is this another off-the-shelf plug-in solution? No, it's utilising our CRM. It's going back to that, utilise what you have. Um, and it works fluidly. The AI supports the, the sign software that we um, had taken on um, and it works beautifully. It's one of my favourite things. It takes off the, min the manual filling out the contract, filing the contract, putting the contract on database. It's just a few clicks of a button now and, and off you go. Have you got any analysis, any stats around improved efficiency there? Not really yet. We're three months in. But if I could tell you, it would take about 15 minutes to get one contract drawn up you know, NDAs, et cetera, all done. Then you've got to put it into your sign doc, link it all up, put all the emails in, you know, whatever, and then send it. This is just a click of a button. So what, less than a minute? And as a, a recruiter or a salesperson, we hate that happening, don't we? So what's what kind of the Absolutely. feedback are you getting from your consultants since implementing this? I mean, brilliant, because it's so effective and efficient. You know, they even get a notification when it's been signed. So they can't even question it. And they also have the ability to go into that candidate profile and see where in the process they are. You know, have they looked at it? Have they questioned it? Have they signed it? Has it been approved? So it works really well. What is still manual today for your recruiters? What, what could be next? What could come after this? I mean, coming after this, I think it's more, more, more visibility around the reporting element. I think every CRM has its reporting issues um, and it's being able to be more visible with where they are with their KPIs, where they are with their revenue streams. Um, you know, I, I find frequently, regardless of how many systems I see, it's really hard to get an accurate revenue number. You know, some of them will go, oh, we'll only put five days, 40 hours. You can't put 38 hours or four days or, you know, this kind of stuff in the system. I mean, you, some of them you can, but not all of them. Um, and that is a, that's definitely a sticking point for, for me and some of our consultants because they'd like to clearly see where they are. But also the next step for us is marrying our finance system with our CRM, which is also hard because, you know, that would give a, a single source of truth, which would then also help resolve that issue to an extent as well. You mentioned earlier that you've got a BA, a, uh, a business analyst. Is that yeah. someone full-time internal? Yeah, so he is, but technically we call him sort of bus, um, data operations is actually probably more his title. Yes, he is full-time. Um, anything to do with the CRM or systems, how they work, the workflows um, in the CRM, and around the business he is involved in, anything to do with um, KPIs, data, reporting, builds um, intelligence reports. Um, that is that is Dan's job. And, and he is the go-to. Is this a recent hire or was Dan already in the business? 
Dan has been in the business for just over a year. So he came on um, probably, I think it was actually six months before me, actually. So yeah, a year and a half. I was lucky enough to be on somebody else's podcast recently, and I was talking about my recommendation for any business that's that's going through this kind of a review to, to get a business analyst in, whether, whether it's somebody permanent, internal, whether it's an external resource. You're, you're a fairly sizable business, 150, 200 people. What size do you think, at what point do you think a recruitment agency, at what size do you think it's valuable for them to get somebody like that in the business, whether it's permanent or, or whether it's to, to come and do a, a SWOT analysis and evaluation? I mean, to be fair, I think anywhere from sort of 100 people up is probably a good call, even if that's just a couple of days a week or maybe even a couple of days a month. It depends on, you know, depends on the size of your contract desk and how it works and how efficient it is and how efficient the the data is and the people putting it in. Um, that would be my recommendation. You know, and I'd, I'd have to say that without Dan, I probably wouldn't be able to get half of this stuff in the time scales that I have done it. What does your contract book look like now compared to when you started this project, what, six, six, 12 months ago? Yeah, um, yeah, about that. Um, it's probably grown about 25%. We did have a, a lull like most over the last sort of few months, but it's definitely jumped back into life this month. So that's really good. And you said also more profitable now because of some yeah. changes internally as well. Exactly. You know, um, you know, if you think about just the efficiencies that we're putting in place, you know, we don't need a massive headcount where I, I might have needed maybe 10, 11 before with a bigger desk, more people, you kind of, your efficiencies mean you need less headcount, but effective headcount. So you, you can take that into consideration as well. Coming back to the SOPs, what yep. changes have we seen there in terms of the number of SOPs that there were previously compared to their the, the number there are now and, and how do you how do you manage that how often do you review those i mean sops have probably increased by 20 not gonna lie um, and that's just through natural progression um, we reviewed them all at the start we're going to review them every year obviously if there's a fundamental change that comes in in regards to a regulation we have to review that asap but you know it's about having this bank or this booklet of operating processes that you can always hop back to your consultants can always hop back to should they need um yeah i can't see us reviewing them more than in once a year if anything we'll maybe make some tweaks along the way as we start to integrate some new products to the system you said increased by 20 how, how many were there or how many are there now i want to say we had about well, 16 or 17 originally so we're not overflowing with sobs um and, and the SOPs that we do have are all effective, so that's good. Is there any concern about having too many SOPs? If, if I'm, if I, presumably not every SOP is relevant to every recruiter. Exactly. How... Um, it's not just the recruiters, you know, some of these SOPs will be related to, to mid office and back office. Um, you know, we, not everything is relevant to everyone. You know, we have a, a SharePoint page, let's say, and all of our SOPs are stored they're in the relevant departments. If I'm a recruiter working for your business, whether I'm, I'm new to the job or, or been here a while, do I have access to every SOP or can I only see the ones that are relevant to me? How, how do you manage that? I mean, at the moment they're open to everyone. So if I need to see something I can go in and see because you know, 
if you have a conversation with a client, you're unsure of a question, you can pop it open and there's the answers. And then is there a way for me to know, okay, I've got access to everything, which I think is great having visibility across the business. How easy is it for me to realize very quickly which ones are most relevant to me in my day to day? Um, so we have a literally a consultant deck. So this is your day two and this is your, it'll have everything from starting that conversation or that onboarding in, in our CRM all the way through to placing a candidate in the system and getting it approved. Were there any big surprises for you as, as you progress through this project? There's always big surprises. Every time you pick up a stone, there's something under it. So um, you know, I wouldn't say there's some big surprises. I'd say there's more just, you know, some tweaks to efficiencies that we could be better at. Um, we can do better. We're far from perfect, um, but we're getting there. You know, everyone's on board with the change. Um, no, no, nothing scary, which is good. And what would you say has had the biggest impact was is there one particular area which you think has above and beyond everything else if, if you were recommending to someone else that was just starting this journey which part would you hit first for the for the biggest roi early on i think it would be the database knowing what it does how it works you know what your mandatory tabs are what your data is that should I think that's the first point. And I think I'd be my go-to first point every single time. I think data is crucial. Um, everyone generally knows what they're doing. Sometimes they just need some fine tuning, um, but uh, that would be my rec recommendation. Get into it, get under it, strip it apart, whatever you have to do, that'd be my starting point. I, I do often hear from businesses that they think, and, and management of businesses, they think that they are potentially underutilizing their existing technology. What, why do you think that is? Why, why do you think a lot of businesses are seeing the same thing there? Uh, poor integration. You know, if uh, there's a lot of that product looks great, I'm going to have it, and they take it off the shelf, and they don't know how to embed it. They don't know how to integrate it. Does it integrate? Probably not. You know, who's going to use it? Who's going to roll it out? Who's going to champion it? I see it. I've got it. People do it. You know, and that's part of the journey here as well. It's like we've got these tools, but they don't marry. So what's the point? You're just taking information from A, putting it to B, and then uploading it in C. You just want it to kind of smooth process in there and embed naturally without too much effort. That's where it's going wrong in my eyes. No tool is bad, you know. It may be a young tool in its infancy, or it may be something that's been around for 10, 20 years. They all have their benefits. It's the way that we use them and integrate them that's a problem. I asked you earlier about the automated messaging piece, and you confirmed that at the moment it's just with the, the candidates and the contractors and, and re-engaging that um, existing database that haven't been contacted recently. You said not clients yet. What what thinking is there around how and when you might start using some automation with messaging clients. So you're doing the contract piece, which is helping your, your consultants with their efficiency. And that's obviously um, in, in terms of communicating with, with clients. But is, is there something on the agenda for automating some messaging with clients? Yeah, potentially, yeah. It's, it's something that's coming into sort of, I think, Q1 next year is, is the plan. You know, we'll see how we get on with the rest of this year first. Um, but definitely on the agenda. 
um, you know, I've been looking at tools that will, you know, embed into our CRM and could potentially match, you know, job and candidates to give you that candidate flow for the correct job. Um, but also looking for, um, you know, tools that will actually help us with with client generation that don't necessarily embed but work. Um, so there's a few things floating around. And also there's the marketing piece. You know, we've got a fantastic marketing team, which are also looking at how they can generate revenue using our CRM and our client base as well. Last question for you, Victoria. If you were to be giving yourself some advice 12 months ago, having gone through this project, what is the biggest piece of advice you would give to yourself? Um, ask for a bigger team sooner. Um, might be one of them. Um, but no, just don't do too much at once. Um, take time, step back. And then after every single process, just make sure you properly embed it with the team. No matter where the pressures are coming from, you know, embedding it with your teams is is crucial to getting the outcome that you need. So that's that's probably where my, our faults kind of been. There's just been not enough embedding. It's that constant going back over it. So that was what the next six months will be doing as well. Well, Victoria, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast and thank you for sharing your journey. Thank you very much for having me, James. Appreciate it. Thank you to our listeners. Please like, subscribe and share. And more importantly, let us know if there is someone you would like us to interview on the show and what you would like to hear them talking about. What strategic and or operational changes are you planning to implement in your staffing slash recruitment firm? Lastly, thank you to our sponsor employee providing front and middle office solutions to a range of staffing and recruitment organisations on the Salesforce platform. That's all for today. James Lawton signing out. 